Psalms 120 and verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to uh, take a look at today. And uh, I'll actually explain uh, that title a little bit more in just a moment. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the the idea or the actual facts behind that. Uh, That's just part of a phrase, actually, and I'll give you that entire phrase in just a moment. But as we get into this, and as we think about life as a journey, it's not just a destination. I was reading recently, and I think a lot of folks are familiar with uh, Amazon, right? And uh, Jeff Bezos. And it was said that annually he has a letter sent out to the stockholders and reminds them, as always, that the financial decisions will be based upon long-term goals, not on daily fluctuations in the market. Well, that's, that's pretty good philosophy right there because the market can get to gyrating wildly from time to time. And so he assures everybody, look, we've got our goals and we've got our sights set and that's what determines our daily financial decisions. It's those long-term goals that we, that we keep in mind. Well, as you think about that, life is a journey, it's not a destination. And so sometimes we can have things happen from day to day, but that shouldn't alter our long-term goals. And so as we get into this lesson today, We're going to take a look at Psalms 120, and he begins by saying, In my distress I cried out to the Lord. And so I want to make three points from this psalm today. Start your journey where you are. Separate truth from lies. And in times of stress and conflict, seek God's peace. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about that and what that means. Psalms 120 and verse 1, In my distress... I cried out to the Lord. A couple months ago, four or five months ago, I guess it is now, something came along called the coronavirus, right? And the whole world changed. And in a lot of ways, it's like the whole world went crazy. All of a sudden, we're in a lockdown, which I've never seen anything like that before. And we've got businesses that are shutting down and we have the economy that's starting to tank and we have schools just closed. Weddings are canceled. Funerals are canceled. You can't go see your elderly relatives that are in nursing homes and those kind of places. And worship stopped. Stopped. And in some places... It still hasn't taken back up. And then it was greatly altered in some places. Summer came along. And my wife and I refer to it as the the summer that wasn't. (laughs) Travel became almost nil. And vacation spots and all that and cruises, they just, you know, they were closed up too. And now we here we are entering into fall. And schools, some of them are going back, some of them aren't. Some are going back part-time, various things, and no college football. And then we have in college football, and it's just, it's confusing, isn't it? It's like, what is going on? 
And then do you remember kind of back when this thing started? We were told, don't wear a mask. It won't do you any good. And just this past week, a certain political candidate is saying, we ought to make it mandatory (laughs) that you wear a mask all the time, whether you're inside, outside, all the time. And so you're kind of scratching your head and you're going, what what is the truth about all of this? And what should we do? Well, let me say this as we get started. I didn't come here this morning to depress you. (laughs) And I don't want to be depressed. And actually when we come together, we ought to try and edify one another, build each other up. And so hopefully by the time we work our way down through this this morning... That's my goal. That's what's intended. But I just want to, you to think, as Jeff Bezos says, <laughs> we've got a long-term vision. And it's not these daily fluctuations that are going to change our minds and our course about where we're going and where we want to go. And so in Psalms 120 and verse 1, it says, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, and He heard me. In Psalms, let me get there. Get in the road book here. In Psalms 121, I want you to notice this because these Psalms in this section fit together here. In Psalms 121 and verses 1 and 2, he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Psalms 1 verse 20, or Psalms 120 and verse 1 says, I cried out and the Lord heard me. That's reassuring. You cry out, the Lord hears you. And Psalms 121 says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? It comes from the Lord. And that's true. Psalms 120 helps us to understand how the Lord brings us help. How we can receive help. From him. So as we take a look at this, life is a journey. It's not a destination. But this is the very first point that we ought to understand. That you start that journey right where you are. The psalmist says, In my distress, where was he? <laughs> he said, I was stressed. And that's where the journey started. Now, as we work our way down through this psalm, we'll kind of see where his stress is coming from. But I want you to make the application. Your stress might come from various places. It might be this coronavirus. It's created stress for a lot of folks. And so sometimes we got to stop and we just got to think. What's causing stress in your life? What's the trouble that you're facing today? Sometimes, and I'm not trying to be critical, but I just want you to think about this. Sometimes it might be some kind of sin 
that we're facing. And I want to tell you, the Lord wants to help. It's, we're not here to criticize. <laughs> we're here to encourage. And so the psalmist says, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. So that's the very first point that we got to come to understand. That your journey with the Lord starts right where you are. There's an old saying. I'm going to give you a few old sayings this morning. See, You can kind of remember these. There's an old saying that says, It's not what happens to you in life. It's how you respond to it. Isn't that the truth? Life is going to happen. <laughs> That's not the question. The question is, how are you going to respond to it? Job said a long time ago in the 14th chapter, Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And that's the truth. Troubles come. And we know it. But the question is, how are we going to respond to it? We know we got troubles. God knows we got troubles. God wants to help us with those troubles. So we got to decide when trouble comes, how are we going to respond to it? So here's the other old saying that goes along that that where I thought about this title. Think about this then. Trouble's going to happen. So life's a journey, it's not a destination. You ever had good days? You ever had bad days? Well, that's just kind of part of the journey. That's going to happen. So the point you want to keep in mind is this. Where you are right now, where you are right now, is temporary. If you're having a good day, <laughs> brace yourself. Because there's probably a bad one that's coming. And if you're kind of at a bad spot right now, I definitely want you to keep in mind. It's temporary. It's just part of the journey. This is just a spot. And so the question is, how will you respond to it? Do you still have long-term vision? See what I'm saying? See, that's what Jeff Bezos said. But I'm going to tell you, that thought didn't originate with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> a lot of people think <laughs> that the world revolves around rich people, but it doesn't. God thought of that a long time ago. And he wanted us to have that kind of vision a long time ago. Don't let your temporary change your long-term vision. It's your long-term vision that, help, that helps you to make decisions about your temporary situation. See, when we encounter those difficult times and we come to those rough spots and sometimes we get there and sometimes you will even hear people say things like, I don't know how to keep moving. I feel like I'm stuck. 
where you're going to keep moving. The question is this. Will you move in the right direction? Or will you move in the wrong direction? Life is not static. (laughs) You don't just reach a spot and then say, okay, that's it, I'll just stay right here. (laughs) That's not the way it works. So what you got to do is to ask yourself, this has happened, how am I going to respond? So let me give you this hint about this. Because sometimes people will say, well, I'm I'm just stuck. You're not stuck. Just keep that in mind. You are not stuck. And don't tell yourself that you're stuck. And don't let anyone else tell you that you're stuck. Because the only one that wants you to believe that you're stuck is Satan. He's the only one. Because God wants you to know you can move. (laughs) And you can move forward. You can move in the right direction. But you've got to have the right perspective. And the right perspective has got to be long term. And the long term is what helps you to make decisions about the short term, about the temporary. Not the other way around. So let me give you another old saying. I like this one. Problems are opportunities in disguise. That didn't originate with me. See, that originated with God also. Because James said, in James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, Knowing that the testing of your faith, problems are going to come. Life is going to happen. That the testing of your faith produces patience. Are you going to stay with God? Are you going to stay with your long-term vision? Produces patience. And let patience have its perfect result that you might be made complete or perfect, lacking in nothing. See, God wants to develop you into a long-term thinker based upon His Word because He's the one that controls eternity. And if you think like He thinks, you can determine how to act in the temporary, in the immediate, in those rough spots. I've got to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep my eye on the goal, on the prize. And that will help see me through this Rough patch, whatever it is. Because life is a journey, it's not a destination. And as James also says over in the fourth chapter, our life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You ever had a pot sitting on the stove? We got microwaves now, so it's like you don't do this as much. So this is an old illustration. (laughs) You have a pot sitting on the stove and you raise that lid and there's that little cloud of steam. It comes up and then it just kind of disappears. Doesn't last long, does it? See, sometimes when we're going through difficult situations, we think, oh, this is forever. <laughs> and the Lord wants you to know it's not forever. And life is not forever. And relatively speaking, 
Your life is like a vapor. So don't let the temporary interrupt your long-term goals. This is what you want to keep an eye on. I'm going to tell you the rest of this because that life is a journey. It's not a destination. There are some have attributed that, credited that to Ralph Waldo Emerson. When Ralph Waldo Emerson, that's not exactly what he said. He said something kind of like that, but that wasn't it. And then there's been various bands (laughs) that have used that in a song... And it's been kind of romanticized, you know, kind of idyllic. You know, life is a journey and it's not a destination. But let me tell you where that, the best that I could tell, where that came from. It came from an early 20th century, 1900s theologian. And this is what he said. Life is a journey, not a destination. That the heart must be set upon those matters of character which are eternal. And not upon those matters of sensation which pass away. Here's the translation. Yes, life is a journey. Ideally, that journey is made with God. And the heart should be set on developing God-like character, focusing on eternity, not on matters of sensation. And what he means by that is feelings. Because the way you feel today may not be the way you feel tomorrow. And that's kind of like what Jeff Bezos is saying about financial goals. The market's going to do all kinds of things. But you can't lose sight of the long-term goals. And so God has said, think long-term. This theologian was basing his quotes, his phrase, on what's found in the Scriptures. So it didn't originate with him either. It originated with God. And that's the way God wants us to think. To think about life, to think about troubles. And how we see our way through it. And so the psalmist says in Psalms 120 and verse 1. In my distress I cried out to the Lord. That's where you start. Right where you are. But secondly. You got to separate the truth from the lies. Psalm 120 and verses 2 through 4. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips. And from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Now listen to what the psalmist is saying. He says, deliver me from lying lips. Now we don't know the exact situation of what was going on there. Was somebody lying about him? That's possible. Was somebody lying to him? That's possible. And so what what does God think about that if somebody is lying about you or somebody is lying to you? 
He says, verse 3, What shall be given to you? Oh, what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. What he's saying is, that's God's judgment. And God's wrath and His judgment will be brought against those who say false things about you or tell you things that aren't true. But there's something else that we need to add in there. See, we don't like it if somebody lies about us, do we? (laughs) That's no fun at all. And we don't like it if we find out that somebody lied to us. Well, I made decisions based upon what you told me. And it's like, and so we don't like that. But here's the other part of that. The psalmist says, deliver me from lying lips, deceitful lips. Have you ever lied to yourself? It happens. I want to be delivered from that too. See, if somebody else is lying about me, I wish that sometimes the world had a mute button, you know. (laughs) If they're lying about me or lying to me, I just hit mute and it stops. (laughs) But it doesn't work that way, and it doesn't work that way with ourselves. But what we've got to keep in mind is this. Lying separates. Lying separates. It destroys. If someone is lying about you, pretty soon you notice they don't really want to be around you. Because you might find out they've been lying about you. And if someone is lying to you, they still don't want to be around you because you may find out that they've been lying to you. <laughs> and then that's not going to be pretty when you find that out, is it? And so it separates. And if you're lying to yourself, that'll separate you from other people too. Because you know what will happen? You're worried that they may find out that you've been lying. So you don't want to be around. See, that's what Satan did from the very beginning. He lied to Adam and Eve and got them to do something that they should not have done. And then once they did that, that separated from God. Who Satan had also lied about him. He tried to make God look like some kind of stingy, selfish character that was withholding something from them. Cain lied about his brother. And the Lord told him, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. It wants you. It wants to destroy you. 
lying and dishonesty can ruin reputations. It can ruin relationships. It can make bad circumstances worse, and it separates. And ultimately, it can keep you from God. And so Psalms 120 and verse 3 and 4 expresses how God feels about dishonesty. But what can God do about it? In Proverbs the 12th chapter in verse 22 it says, Yahweh detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. So God hates it when someone lies about us. He hates it when someone lies to us. And He hates it when lies come out of our own mouth. Because he's a God of truth. And God wants us to know that he's a God of truth. And he wants us to know. The truth is, he will meet you where you are. And that's the truth. But the only way that happens is if we're honest. Don't let somebody else's lies keep you from God. Don't let your own keep you from God. Have you ever heard someone say, Well, you know when I get things straightened out, then I want to learn about God. Or when I get my life straightened out, then I want to start going to church. You ever heard somebody say that? I talked with a guy a number of years ago. He goes, when I get my life straightened up, he goes, then I want to become a Christian. God wants to straighten your life out. He wants to meet you right where you are and help you straighten out your life. That's the truth. He just wants you to be honest about it. And if you'll do that, God says we can travel together. And I'll help you with that. Satan is the one that wants to tell you don't do it. And that you're stuck and you can't overcome it and you can't move forward. God says you can. I just want you to be honest. Thirdly, in conflict, in distress, seek God's peace. Psalms 120, verses 5 through 7. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So the psalmist says, I'm for peace. Aren't you for peace? I'm for peace. And that's what we want. I just like to have a little peace in my life. That's God's peace that is being talked about there. That's what that's talking about. Peace, as it's mentioned there, is not just absence of conflict or absence of war. It's God's peace. And how to achieve that peace. Is being buying, being honest with yourself and being honest with God and basing upon His truth. Sometimes people will say things about say things like, "Well, you don't know my situation." 
That may be true, I don't. You don't know the people I work around. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know the relationship I've been in. Well, guess what? God does. And the psalmist says, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard. In verse 5, he says, Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Does that mean anything to you? Let me explain that. Meshach was beyond the northern border of Israel. Kedar was beyond the southern border. And in between is Israel. And he says, this is where I live. And these are ungodly people. So now does it make sense to you? Do you dwell in the midst of ungodly people? I'm seeking peace. But when I'm seeking peace, they're seeking war. Does that make sense to us? Can't we understand that then? That's what he's saying. This is where I live. This is the parameters. And so when we say life is a journey, we're saying this is our parameters. This is my experience. This is where I am. And it's going to happen. What's important is how do I respond to what's going to happen? Too long I have lived among those who hate peace. Well, I want to tell you something about this. Psalms 120. And there's a collection of about 15 here in the middle. These are the ones that are referred to as the Psalms of Ascent. Now, there's different thoughts about those being psalms of ascent. Some say, well, it's just based upon the individual psalm, and one verse kind of builds upon another. And actually, you can kind of see that in this psalm, can't you? I called out in my distress, and I dwell among those who are ungodly, and I want peace. I want God to help me. And one kind of builds upon the other. But there are others that suggest that these psalms when they're referred to as Psalms of Ascent. These were the Psalms that they would sing when they went up to Jerusalem for those annual feasts. And that as they approached the city, they would sing these songs or these psalms. Now we need to stop and think about that. That journey wasn't always easy. And let me ask you this. When they were required to go up to Jerusalem for those feasts, how do you think things were back home? Do you think as they journeyed, do you think that they ever thought, well, you know, Things are kind of tough back home. Well, you know, financially things are kind of tough. I'm really kind of concerned where the next meal is going to come from and how I'm going to take care of my family. And do you ever think 
when they went to make that journey that sometimes their health wasn't the best and that was difficult and maybe they had struggles with relationships in Israel they had been occupied by a foreign government for a long time And do you think on that journey that they ever grew weary? And that sometimes their hearts were heavy and sometimes their minds were just tired? And they're traveling and they're thinking about what all's going on around them and in their lives. And that people are against us and conditions are against us. And that's contrary to my journey of faith. How do I keep moving forward? And you know, before we started out, I questioned whether or not I even really wanted to go. But you did. And you continued... And you walk towards that city even though sometimes it was hard. God doesn't deliver us from the midst of Meshach and Kedar and put us someplace pleasant or good before we can start our journey or before he asks us to continue our journey. He wants to journey with us. He wants us to journey with Him. And He wants us to listen to His truth and not the rumblings that are going on all around and the things that can distract us. The psalmist says, I'm for peace. For God's peace. So I want you to think about that coming from a long way off and traveling over dirty, dusty, dry roads and things back home are difficult and you don't think you've really been receiving the kind of encouragement that you need. But then as you travel along in the distance you catch a glimpse of the temple because the temple sat high on the hills of Jerusalem. And maybe as you finally catch that glimpse, you kind of straighten up a little bit. And you start to step with a little more determination. But then in the distance, you hear a voice. And at first, you can't quite make it out. So you stop and you listen closely. And then you realize somebody's singing. And then from another direction you hear another voice. And now you can tell they're singing the words of these psalms of ascent. 
And maybe you hear somebody else sing. I'm not going to sing, but. <laughs> In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. And he heard me. Or maybe you heard. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. My help comes from the Lord. Or maybe it's Psalms 126, which is a part of these Psalms of Ascent also. And those words say, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And you hear that. And you remember Israel. And you remember their history. And you remember the promises of God. And you remember how you got where you are today. So one voice starts with a song. And the hearts that were heavy are now lifted up. And the minds that were tired began to reflect on those memories. And so these psalms were sung together and they were prayed together. As God's people journeyed towards Jerusalem where they could meet with God. And together their hearts were lifted up. Beyond their circumstances beyond their enemies, beyond their selves. And they remembered. And they reflected on their long term, not on the immediate. That's the journey of God's people. Someone starts the song. Someone joins in. Somebody reaches out to the other people of God, even when they dwell in the midst of Meshach and Kedar. And so as we journey, we need to remember, we need to start where we are. Remember, yes, you live in the midst of Meshach and Kedar. Reach out to God and God will meet you there. And you can be honest about your situation and about self. Because you know God is honest and that He wants to meet you there. And recognize life as a journey, it's not a destination, and that you ought to focus on the eternal, not the immediate. And that you're not stuck and that you can move forward. And when you do that, you know what you'll find? You'll find others on that same journey. And then you'll start to listen to those voices. Instead of all those rumblings and grumblings. That we hear so often. From those in the world. Psalm 16 and verse 1 and 2 says. Preserve me O God for in thee I take refuge. I say to the Lord thou art my Lord. I have no good apart from thee. What's the third verse? New King James Version says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. 
Now, I don't often read from or quote from the message. It's just kind of a paraphrase, but sometimes these paraphrases kind of catch the sentiment of a verse. And in verse 3, it's rendered this way. These are God-chosen lives. It's talking about Christians. It's talking about the saints. And these God-chosen lives are all around what splendid friends they make. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that who you want for friends? Those that recognize they're on the same journey. And their voices will lift you up and encourage you. So that's the lesson from Psalms 120. God will meet you where you are. He wants you to start now. He wants you to be honest. He wants you to seek His peace in the midst of chaos. And you'll find others on that same journey. It'll help you to keep focused on the long term. If you're here this morning and you've never rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we would encourage you to do that this very day. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's how you start that journey. And if you're a child of God, you've wandered away from God's ways. You need to come back to Him. And He says, if you confess your faith or confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you those sins. And the blood of His Son will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we can help, you come while together we stand and while we sing.